Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Dangerously Divine podcast. My name is Rachel, feminine energy life coach, magnetism mentor, and I bet most of you didn't know this about me. I am Afghan American. Today's episode is all about reinventing yourself and claiming parts of ourselves that are unknown. This is a really important topic for me to talk about because it's been sitting on my mind for a little while now. I recently went to an Afghan American conference in Washington, D.C., and this was the most life-changing event for me, and it got me thinking that we all have different parts of our personalities that maybe we hide or we don't shine a light on, or maybe even know a ton about. And sometimes it's those parts of ourselves that can really bring us further into alignment. So that is what today's episode is all about. And I'm so excited to share my personal stories at this conference and hopefully teach you a thing or two about yourself. On the topic of reinventing yourself, I wanted to mention that today's sponsor is my seven-day Align With Your Inner Goddess self-led course. If you're feeling like you don't know what the next step in your life is, or you have so many desires that you can't decide which to focus on right away, or you just want to become more magnetic and sure of yourself when it comes to your decision-making, this course is great. It's full of simple strategies that you can use to amplify your magnetism, get clear on your desires, and reinvent yourself so that you can become a vibrational match for the life that you want. This course is only $29 and you get lifetime access to it, which is great because I am updating this course all of the time. So even if you finish it within the designated seven days, there's always going to be fresh content put in there every few weeks or months to help you align with your goals and achieve everything that you want and more. I will note that this episode is coming out at the beginning of September in 2023, and I'm only going to be offering this course until the end of the year. If you're interested in finding out more on how you can use your feminine magnetism to reinvent your life and wake up as a whole new divine being, then I would definitely check out this program sooner rather than later. Again, if you buy this program before the end of the year, you will have lifetime access to all of the amazing content that is currently in the program, as well as future updates as they come. As always, if you have any questions about the sponsorships or other programs on how to work with me, you can always contact me on Instagram at I am dangerously divine or on my email at Rachel at I am dangerously divine.com. With that said, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Dangerously Divine Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Loren, entrepreneur, life coach, and your new spiritual bestie. We dive deep into all things feminine magnetism, mindset, and empowerment. Prepare to unlock your full potential and activate your feminine gifts. 
If you're an ambitious woman who's ready to stop playing small, step into your feminine power, and claim a life beyond your wildest dreams, then you're in the right place. So go ahead and turn up the volume. You're about to hear juicy stories, inspirational advice, and transformational tips that'll help you up-level your life and align with the divine goddess within you. More self-confidence, freedom, and abundance are all just a play away. Thank you for listening and enjoy this episode. So as I mentioned at the beginning of today's episode, this is going to be a little bit more of a personal story with some magnetism and feminine advice sprinkled throughout the episode. I'm going a little bit off book here. I'm not following our normal script that I do when recording these episodes. And that's because I feel it is my responsibility to give you the authentic side of my personality. And sometimes that includes my struggles and things that I've had to learn to overcome to become a magnetic woman and be this self-assured, confident woman that is speaking to you today. This episode is going to be focused on my journey as an Afghan American. And I want to say that again, I am Afghan American. Sometimes people mishear me and think that I'm saying African American. And no, that is not a part of my ethnicity. I am Afghan, A-F-G-H-A-N, American. I just felt the need to clarify that in case you misheard me the first time. But what that means to me is that my father is from Afghanistan and my My mother is from the US. So I am half Afghan and half American. The Afghan side of my personality has always been sheltered or hidden behind other parts of who I am and my ethnicity. First off, I don't look very Afghan. I do tan nicely when I go out in the sun, but I don't have a particularly olive colored skin tone that is often associated with that region of the world. My hair is naturally on the darker side, but I do diet blonde and my demeanor is that of an American woman. And this is because I did not grow up with many Afghan influences in my life. This was partially done on purpose by my father, who was so well-meaning in the sense that he wanted me to be raised as an American. After all, he came to this country for a better life, and so he wanted me, his daughter, to experience a better life for myself as well. There were some key factors that played a major impact in my life, one of them being that I do not have my father's last name. My mom and dad were never married, and when it came time to name me, they decided that it would be best if I had my mother's name because it was more American-sounding and easier for Americans to pronounce. Also, it's common in Afghan-American households for the parents to speak Farsi or Pashtu, but My father immigrated here when he was a teenager, so he lost that ability to speak that other language. So I did not grow up speaking his native tongue, which is Farsi. And the last thing I will say that led me to be more Americanized was my father's sort of shame around his home country after 9-11. 
I was born in the year 1996, which means that I was five years old when 9-11 happened in my home state of New York. I hope that most of you already know what had occurred on September 11th, 2001, but in case you have been living under a rock and don't know, that is when Al-Qaeda, which is a group of Islamic extremists, crashed two planes into the Twin Towers in New York City. That is about all I'm going to say on the subject of 9-11, because if I'm being honest, I don't know a ton about Al-Qaeda, but what I do know is the immense shame that my father had felt being from Afghanistan at that time. Probably one of my earliest childhood memories and one that was so formative is after 9-11, I remember that my dad had pulled me aside and said, hey, Rachel, if anyone at school or any of your friends or teachers ask where I am from, please tell them that I am from Turkey. I was too young at the time to understand the trauma and shame that he felt for his home country. And I didn't understand why he wanted me to pretend that he was from somewhere he was not. All of these years later, upon doing my own research, I come to find out that the Taliban, which is like the government in Afghanistan, had not cooperated with the US forces in trying to find Osama bin Laden, which then began this long war on terror and why the US was in Afghanistan for so long. All of that to say is that I have never really connected with the Afghan side of myself or that culture. The one area of my life that I did feel somewhat fulfilled in my Afghan heritage is that my grandfather used to cook all of this Afghan food when he was alive. And whenever I would fly back to New York to see my parents, my dad and I would always go out to eat Afghan food. And food was one way in which, the only way in which I was able to connect with that part of myself. While I know that the sentiment behind my story is not unique, and there are so many other mixed race children and people who don't necessarily identify with parts of their culture. I will say what I think makes my story a little bit more interesting is that I did not meet my first Afghan people that weren't family members until I was 26 years old. I'll never forget, I was out at a Moroccan-inspired, Arabic-themed hookah lounge with my friend, mingling as we do with men at the bar, when and we started talking to this group of men from Arizona who were in LA for an Afghan gala. And let me tell you, it was like I was meeting a celebrity. I was blown away by the fact that I had finally met other Afghan people. I had no idea that there was such an Afghan population in Los Angeles where I'm currently living. And I was just thrilled to meet them and have something in 
in common with a complete stranger. Of course, at first they took one look at me and thought I was lying and did not believe me. And it wasn't until I showed them a picture of my dad and told them his full name that finally they started to catch on. The hospitality that I felt from this group of people was so warm and inviting. They had invited me to go to this charity gala with them to celebrate the keynote speaker, which was their best friend. Of course, I had to take them up on this offer. And it may sound a little bit strange to go with a group of older men to a charity ball whom I had just met. But it was like there was this instant connection between these people that I didn't even know because we had both been of the same culture. So fast forward a day when I had arrived, the one man who I fostered this connection with told me, oh, I didn't even know you were going to show up. Like, I thought you were just bullshitting me. And I was like, no, you don't understand that I have been lacking in this sense of community. Of course, I was nervous showing up there on that day, looking like the token American blonde girl with a group of Afghan men who were old enough to be my father. I'm sure I was getting plenty of weird stares and uncomfortable looks, but I decided to push past that feeling of disapproval because I knew that I was doing the right thing by finally having the chance to connect with this side of myself and I wasn't going to let anyone else get in my way. And that's why today's episode is so personal for me and is so important for me to share because it's all about reclaiming parts of our identity that we might not have tuned into before, but also knowing when it's time to step into this new era of our lives and really reinvent ourselves so that we can be a match for all that we desire. So in continuing my story along my journey towards becoming this fully embodied Afghan American woman, I had actually found the organization that had put on this charity gala. It's called the Afghan American Organization, and they host a annual conference every year. I could be wrong, but I believe it was founded by some students in a school in Southern California who experienced things similar to I, where they had immigrant parents that didn't fully embrace the culture for whatever reason. There is a lot of trauma around being from a third world war-torn country, and their kids are now being raised here in America as Americans with a real lost sense of identity. And it, it's never a good feeling, but it did feel good to be surrounded by other people who had had that similar experience to me. And that's why even if you're not an Afghan American or can't relate directly to my story, I think it is relevant for everyone to hear, especially those with one or two immigrant parents. But we all come from somewhere and experience some form of feeling left out, whether intentionally or unintentionally, or feeling lost or feeling like you're lacking a sense of self. My story as an Afghan-American is currently still being written and will probably be a lifelong journey for me. 
But how it ends this year is that I was able to actually go to the Afghan American conference that was hosted this year. I followed up with the group on social media. I tagged them in all of my pictures from that beautiful gala. Then from there, just was always being active, telling them, hey, I want to join you. I want to come to the conference. Like, I want other Afghan friends. I want to know other people because it made me feel so seen for once in my life. Like I said, we've all experienced some sort of feeling lost, whether it's losing a job and not knowing what your next step is or getting out of a relationship and not knowing how to fill your time after that person leaves your life or never connecting with your ethnic roots. We've all experienced this in some form. So the conference was announced in the spring and it would be taking place in Washington, D.C., which is a state that I had not been to in 10 years since my half-sister had gotten married in Washington. And I had to give up my travel plans to go to this conference potentially. So I had to do some quick soul searching. I like to travel to two new countries a year. And usually I'm able to do that with the flexibility I have in my schedule. But that has taken a backseat this year. And I had to decide, do I want to go to this conference in the middle of June and meet people that I've never spoken a word to, be put in a really uncomfortable situation where I don't even look Afghan and I'm surrounded by other Afghans? Do I really want to hear all about this culture? that I know nothing about. And I had talked with a friend about my dilemma. I was feeling guilty of giving up my travel plans. I was going to go to Peru and I was going to go to Cuba. Then I was going to go to Aruba. And I just wanted to go somewhere besides being in the United States. It's never really been a goal of mine to travel around the U.S. But in speaking to my friend, she had asked me, Rachel, why do you like traveling so much? And I said, I enjoy being put in uncomfortable situations by myself. I enjoy learning about new cultures and languages and people. And I heard it come out of my mouth and she looked at me and was like, duh, like you realize that's what you would do if you were to go to this conference, right? So I did come to terms with it eventually. And I'm so thankful that I had a friend to work it out with me. So I applied online and some of the questions were, why do you want to come? Why do you feel like you would be a good addition? There was a whole selection process of who got to attend this conference. Then they would let us know within the next month or so if we had gotten selected. So I filled out the application. I poured my heart and soul into that and explained that being half Afghan, half American, the American side takes over. And I've spoken to so many people who've experienced a similar situation of knowing the culture through food or whenever you're at a family wedding and only knowing your family as ones who've lived through the culture, but never having that sense of community. So poured my heart and soul into this essay and had my fingers crossed. And then a few weeks later, got another email that they had accepted my application and I would be on my way to D.C. to enjoy this three-day conference full of other Afghan-American people. As the date of the conference rolled around, I was still feeling a little bit uneasy about traveling within the U.S. and just feeling bummed out that this is my summer. And instead of 
dancing on tables in Peru and meeting cute boys in Aruba, I would have to dive into the personal work of tapping into this new version of myself and getting to know a culture that was really honestly foreign to me. But I'm here to tell you that anything in life Selection requires rejection. If you're making a tough decision, you are always going to have to decide and choose something for yourself, but that 100% of the time will mean giving up something else. Selection requires rejection. And I'm so happy that I had rejected traveling internationally and selected that instead I want to be exposed to a new part of the world that hits a little bit closer to home because it's also a part of me. As I was getting ready to leave for the conference in June, I started off by feeding my cat, making sure she was set up with someone to watch her, and watering all of my plants for the very last time. And I had noticed that my tree had a little bit of crusty edges and leaves that were falling off of it. And I thought to myself, hmm, do trees ever get sad when they lose their leaves? And I know this is like my inner hippie coming out. She comes out every once in a while. And I had sat on this idea of feeling bad for the tree. Of course, I didn't kill it. it it's a thriving tree, but it had just lost some of its leaves at the bottom. And it clicked in my head that I was like, no, trees probably love losing their leaves because that is the only way that they can grow taller and stronger and towards the sun. And I was like, yes, that is what it feels like I am doing here. I am shedding off this old version of myself so that a new Rachel could be reborn. And it was so beautiful that I had made that realization. And I'm just here to tell you that you need to let go of those dead leaves. You gotta let go in order to regrow. Let go to regrow. And I hope that my story can be the catalyst towards this regrowth period for you. So we'll fast forward my story a little bit. I had traveled to D.C., booked a beautiful hotel, and went to the conference on day one. One thing I will note is that I did not really feel fearful of going to this conference. And it's funny because so many people had come up to me that day and were like, Rachel, you're so brave for coming here and not knowing anyone. And you're so brave for wanting to embrace your culture. And we're so proud of you. And to me, it was like, no, this is not bravery. This is just me taking aligned action. This is me being my authentic self or at least trying to figure out another part of my authentic self and a deeper moment of self-discovery. So no, I was not fearful on that first day when I had arrived, despite what you might think about a blonde-looking American girl in a room full of Afghan people. On that first day, I met so many, so many incredible people. This conference was such a beautifully put-together event. They had different activities every hour all over the GW campus that you could attend if the session title resonated with you. There was also smaller cohort groups of about 20 people where you would get to know people 
people on a more personal level, one-on-one. There were keynote speakers and industry speed networking workshops and leadership and skill building activities and lecture sections and safe spaces. It was just such a wonderful weekend where I was able to come back to LA a completely different person. One thing that I will say I struggled with during the conference was my appearance. As I've said many times throughout this episode, I don't look typically Afghan. And I'm even laughing as I say that because there really is no one way in which Afghan people look. And that is the beauty of the culture is that there are so many other ethnicities weaved into what it means to look like an Afghan. But yeah, I had experienced a little bit of almost hate for standing out. I would have seemingly nice girls come up to me and ask me, oh, what are you doing here? And I would look at them like with a blank stare in my face, like, what what the fuck do you mean? What am I doing here? Like, why would I be wearing this badge sitting in this lecture hall? If I wasn't here for the conference, like, duh. But because I didn't look the part, they must have assumed that, oh, she can't be Afghan. And so I very politely asked them, oh, what do you mean? And then once people have the spotlight put back on them and they've made someone else feel uncomfortable and they realize it, they start to feel bad. And, you know, they were like, oh, you're Afghan? Like with the most surprised, shocked look on their face. Like, duh, why would I be here if I wasn't? Um, obviously, I know I could, could have probably went as an ally, but the entire point of the conference was that people of Afghan-American descent were supposed to be there. So, yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, I am Afghan. And then the response would be, oh, but you must be half. And it's like, yeah, okay, I'm half. So what? And I didn't say this part out loud, um, which I do kind of regret a little bit. but. I felt almost like I wasn't Afghan enough in some conversations I had with people. So many people would joke around and just say, oh, you're Afghan. And that was a new phrase for me that I learned on this trip. Sometimes it was used in like a cute, friendly sense. Other times it felt like a derogatory slur, depended on whose mouth it came from. But I really found myself struggling with this feeling of not being good enough to fit into this culture that is a majority of my ethnicity. My mom is American, yes. Her family is Italian and Irish, German, and I'm sure if I took a 23 and me, there would be tons of other white ethnicities in my mother as well. But also, I'm 50% Afghan. The largest part of myself, of who I am, is Afghan, but yet somehow I'm not Afghan enough at this conference, to be learning the same things that you're learning, to be having these connections with other Afghans and learning about the culture and about civic engagement and community challenges affecting the Afghan community. I'm suddenly not Afghan enough. I'll be honest, it was a little disheartening in those first few days, but I really had to turn inwards and trust myself and surrender to my inner knowledge and that wisdom, that intuition that I was in the right place 
because if not, I probably would have left that conference early. I probably would have felt like I was being left out, bullied like I was in high school and just not feeling good about all of the positive interactions I had because they were overshadowed by the negative ones. But no, I surrendered and I trusted myself and I turned inward and I said, what you're doing is right. Show me the way forward. I cannot see the whole staircase in front of me, but I am taking this first step because it feels aligned and it feels congruent with my goals and it feels good to be understood and appreciated and accepted, even if not by everyone. Show me the way. And I'm so happy that I stayed because this conference was equal parts professional and cultural and spiritual and social and personal. And it was just so wonderful to meet so many people that I probably would have never met otherwise. It clicked in my head that where there is friction, there is growth. I'm going to say that again. Where there is friction, there is growth. I've said this before, and I'll say it again in case there's anyone new listening. Our ego likes to keep us in our comfort zone because that is where we feel safe. But in only doing things that feel safe, that does not create growth. Growth is created through feeling fearful of something, whatever it might be, and pushing past that fear and doing the hard thing anyway. That is where growth lives. Growth lives beyond your comfort zone. Those people on the first day who made me feel bullied or bad for only being half Afghan, which I cannot control, they wanted me to feel inadequate. They wanted me to feel unwelcome. They wanted me to go home because I did not fit their idea of what an Afghan American woman is, of what we would look like, of what I would sound like, of what I would be like. And there's so much irony here because as humans and as people at this conference, we all crave connection that cracks open our worlds. And in many ways, I was there to have my world rocked and cracked open. And I was there to maybe crack open some other worlds and have my own teachings to offer and my own experience. The bottom line is you will never be able to claim or reclaim your identity if you operate within someone else's expectations of you. I'm going to say that again. You will never be able to reclaim your identity if you operate within someone else's expectations of you. This can be used and translated across every avenue of our life. And that is why this episode is so important for everyone to listen to. You write your own blueprint. Your life is not defined by what other people think of as success, by what other people expect and want out of you and your life. You are not your mother. You are not your sister. You are not your friends. You are not anyone's version except for your own. You are the person that you are in your head, in your mind, and you need to operate beyond the blueprint of what everyone else has for you. You need to trust in yourself and tap into that inner wisdom, that inner knowing and acceptance. This is who I am. For me, it was going to this conference. It was feeling left out and ostracized for not being Afghan enough. I don't care. I don't care. I trusted myself enough to stay there because I knew that was what was right for me. 
I did not live within the blueprint and the idea of these women and these people that I had never met. I don't give a fuck what they say. I am living by my own design. And I want you to take that with you. I want you to live by your own design. No coach, not me or anyone else, can show you how to live. You have to decide for yourself. And more importantly than deciding, you have to believe it. You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in co-creating your life, your dream life with the universe. You have to believe that all that you want can come to you. You have to take bigger risks because it is then and only then that you will feel that sense of freedom and confidence within yourself. Sure, and maybe you might fail a few times. Maybe you might think that you want something and then it ends up that you got it and it turns out that you needed something else. I really don't trust anyone who has never failed or who has never been in an uncomfortable position because that means that you have not lived. You have not tried new things. You have not explored outside of your comfort zone. I don't trust anyone like that. And neither should you. We were all put on this earth with unique gifts. And I don't even like to call them talents anymore because a talent can be improved upon. A talent can be fostered. But when I talk about gifts, I talk about the thing that lights you up, the treasure that was given to you by the universe, your soul's purpose, as the alchemy likes to call it, that purpose of a larger fulfillment that you need to uphold to be truly in alignment with your highest level self. We all have those things and it's not easy to come by and you'll have to figure it out for yourself. I cannot do it for you. But once you do, you will begin to fall straight into alignment and step into this new era of self. For me, it was going to this conference. Who knew that a wild Saturday night out with my girlfriends would lead down such a fulfilling path? But I recognized the good feelings that I had on that night and the good feelings I had at that charity gala and the good feelings that I had while I was on the airplane flying to D.C. that nothing that anyone said could shake me because I was unstoppably living in alignment with myself. And I was on that path towards reinvention that it didn't really matter what anyone else said or thought and their own judgments. What mattered is that I was so unbreakable and sure that this was the right path for me. I had so much self-trust that I was willing to be obedient towards this higher power that was calling me to go to this event, yet still somehow feel inadequate. But that's okay because I know where there is friction, there is growth. We're nearing the end of today's episode, but I really quickly want to share something. I did a brain dump, which is basically where you open a journal and just write unconsciously what your subconscious is thinking and you don't even take a second to think about it. You just pen to paper journal. So what I wrote here is when you stand in front of a woman, do you actually see her? Not as her relationships to other people, mother, daughter, wife, sister, and not as her occupation, student, employee, business owner, retiree, and not as her religion, Buddhist, Muslim, Christian. Do you actually see her for her? Because I do. 
I see her hopes and her dreams. I see her desires that she has such a fiery passion for. I see the struggles, the ones that no one knows about, her feelings of unworthiness, her anxieties of taking care of everyone but herself, the crippling pains of feeling like she could always do more. You define her mother, sister, wife, employee, business owner, retiree. Buddhist, Muslim, Christian. I define her as women. Who are you? I know it almost sounds like a poem. I tend to write like that. It's cryptic and weird. I don't know why, but I actually wrote this last month and just came back to it yesterday. So I thought it would be good to put in this podcast because this episode is all about reinventing yourself. You cannot know who to reinvent yourself into or what to become if you don't first strip away all of the titles that are so meaningless. I encourage you to do this practice in your journal of write down who you are without the words of your job, without the words of your relationship to someone else, without the words of your favorite hobbies, activities, religion, write down who you really are. And then you can do it again and write down who you want to become. This is a hard activity for most because you can't use hard work, common sense, and logic towards becoming that version of yourself that you want to become. You only do this by following your intuition listening to those moments of alignment and taking that dive off of that cliff and just going for the thing even though it feels hard. So I want you to think about what life-altering change would you need to experience to become this person? What needs to be the catalyst for you to believe in yourself, to really shake up your life so that you can reclaim your identity and step into this new era. If your life is a book and it is a series of chapters, sometimes the page gets turned on you, but other times you feel this deep, innate sensation that you need to turn the page yourself. You need to evolve and embrace change so that you can grow into the person that you were always meant to be. See the synchronicities. Recognize when it's time to step into that new era. Feel the fear, your ego creeping up on you, trying to keep you and hold you back in your comfort zone. And just remember that no one else can write the blueprint for your life. You have one life to live. Every fucking day, you should be living exactly how you want to. So don't worry about other people's thoughts, opinions, ideas of you. You write your own damn book. You are the main character. Your life is yours to live, and you can reinvent yourself whenever you feel it is time. As with life, all good things must come to an end. So we have reached the end of today's episode of the Dangerously Divine podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this transformational journey. I hope that my story was able to touch your heart and that you gained some valuable insights on recognizing when it is time to step into a new era and align with 
your version of who you are. Your identity is a canvas waiting for you to create something beautiful. So embrace change because change is going to happen anyway. It is the cornerstone of growth and all good things that are to come. And as you navigate the path towards becoming the best version of yourself, always keep in mind that you have the power to shape your own destiny. It lies within you. So if you found today's episode inspiring, please follow, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends, family, and Instagram followers. And tag me at I am dangerously divine on Instagram. I so appreciate your support in this show and in spreading the message of self-discovery and personal growth on our path towards becoming our most magnetic divine feminine selves. Thank you for being a part of this community. As always, I would be honored to chat with you on Instagram or to have you as a client in one of my programs. But until then, keep discovering and rediscovering and evolving and journeying towards becoming your best self because it is truly a lifelong adventure that is as beautiful as you make it to be. Okay, I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me on the Dangerously Divine podcast.